0: are the champions. The world says that. That's the world's message. Be the best you can be. Be number one. We're number one. We're the champions. We're the heroes. Uh, We even uh, refer to them as idols and icons, the people that are up here on this uh, display. You see the cricket championship of the world team was from India this year. I was just got back from India a couple of weeks ago and uh, you can't find anything on the sports channels except cricket. It's a huge, huge game. And uh, the fact that India won was really, really big, uh, especially the fact that they pa- beat Pakistan in the championship, and that's their big rivals in more ways than just cricket. And, of course, my favorite, favorite team is the Texas Rangers. I'd love to have a picture of them holding up the World Series maybe uh, next year. I'm believing that's going to happen. And you should thank me for the Dallas Mavericks that are up there. I didn't, I didn't play Dirk Nowitzki's rendition of We Are the Champions. I don't know if you've heard that, but it's <laughs> a, probably the worst. Uh, he has the worst voice ever, so if you ever get a chance to invite him to sing, don't do that. And uh, then Lance Armstrong. Uh, clearly, uh, though there's a lot of questions about him, clearly he is an unbelievable athlete. And his, he performs at a level nobody else can perform at. But... They're champions, and that's the message of the world. The message of the world is that uh, we should be champions. I have a pie chart up there, and I've divided up uh, life into ten slices. Um, You may divide it up into more, maybe less. I have uh, marriage, health, finance, job, education, school, spiritual life, recreation, uh, relationships, citizenship, retirement. So the world's message is uh, that it's different than what God's message is. And I want to talk to you about the difference between God's plan for our life in every area of our life. I am not want to talk about every area, but just the idea that how God wants us to live our life is different than how the world says we should live our life. The world says we should be champions and we should do everything we can to be the best we can be. We should be number one in our life. God says he has a plan for our life. In Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Those champions that we saw, those pictures up there, their celebrations, without question, they have excelled in that area of their life. But what do you think their chances are that they are champions in other areas of their life, in other areas of those slices of life, in their spiritual life, in their uh, marriage, in their relationships, what do you, in their finances? Do you think they're champions in that? This is what the world's message is. That each one of these slices of life is 100% about me. My health is all about me. What I do with my body is my business. Don't you be telling me what I should and should not do. My money, it's my money. I'm going to do with my money what I want to do with my money. My education in school, where I choose to go to school and what I choose to learn that's my business. That's none of your business. Spiritual life, don't talk to me about spiritual life. What I believe is my belief. You're free to believe whatever you want to be, believe, and I'm free to believe what I want to believe. That's what the world says. Recreation, relationships, citizenship. I can vote for anybody. I can believe anything I want. I'll, I'll vote for whoever I want to. I'm not going to look to anybody else to tell me how I should vote. And retirement. What I do when I'm retired is my business that is the world's message that your life is all about you <laughs> we're number 1 we I don't know I've done that I was fortunate enough to play on the championship team a couple of times and I did it. We're number one. Uh, And you probably have been in crowds where your team won. And you're saying, we're number one. We did it. We accomplished it. We're champions. But God says that in doing, going about our life, that the way that we should do it is that we should put him first. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In James chapter 4 it says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You don't lift yourself up. If you put God first in your life, he will promote you. He is going to run interference for you. The burden is not upon you to be a champion. You want to be a champion in every area of your life. Humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now a lot of people, a lot of Christians that I know, not that they told me this, but just from watching them live their life, this is how they believe Christian life should be you've got this you've got this pie chart up here and it shows these ten areas that I read earlier and you can see on the spiritual life slice of the pie it says God is number one me two God one me two but then you look at all the other slices in their life it's me first I'm number one and there's this concept, and it's a flawed one, that when it comes to spiritual things, I'm going to put God first in my life. But when it comes to other things in my life, that's, that's my business. So I can come to church, I can read, I can pray, and I recognize that God sits on the throne of my life. But when it comes to going to school, when it comes to playing sports, when it comes to being at work, when it comes to all these, it comes to my marriage, I'm taking care of that myself. If I have trouble, then okay, I'll check with God. But I'm not going to check with God first on those things. And I've, I know that to be true for a lot of uh, believers because that's how I see them live their lives. I believe they're sincere when they come to church. They're, I believe they're sincere when they pray with me. But then the way I see them do their job and the way I see they, their relationships that they have with their kids or with their spouses, the way I see them out interacting with other people I don't see God being put first in those slices of their life. This is what I think God intended our pie chart of life to look like. That God is first in every slice of our life. God is first and we are second. I'm going to show a little video. I have to go out of my PowerPoint. But it's a... I don't know if you're familiar with the ministry called I Am Second. Uh... Uh I've got a little video clip from uh Colt McCoy who was an all American <coughs> quarterback at uh University of Texas and uh so his I have his I am second video that I wanted to show you.
1: There's so many things that uh, that the world signifies as success. It involves winning, it involves uh, Heisman Trophies, it involves All-Americans, it involves lots of money, getting paid, going to the NFL. For me, I'm successful in life because I have Jesus Christ living inside me. I don't think God necessarily cares about wins and losses uh, for me at Texas. think he believes about my faith and what am I doing to make sure that I come and live in heaven with him someday and who am I bringing with me? I feel like God has raised me, he's made me the man that I am and he's put me where he wants me and uh, that's at the University of Texas playing quarterback. I want to win football games worse than anybody that you know. I'm a competitor, I want to win. When I'm on the field, that's the most important thing to me is what I can do to be the best that I can be to help my team win. Uh, And afterwards, uh, I know that I played that game for God. Having a personal relationship with Christ uh, is probably the biggest decision that any of us will make. You know, it goes deeper than going to church, uh, than just acting like a Christian. If one of my teammates comes up to me and asks me, hey man, how do I get to heaven? I think that that is a huge open door of opportunity to sit down and and, uh, open up the word, pray with them, uh, and say, look man, anybody can get to heaven. All you gotta do is have Christ living inside of you. That's what I strive to get across to all my teammates, that God is love, man, God is awesome. And he's there for you. You need him right now more than any other time in your life because it's right now. It's not in the future, it's not in the past, it's, it's right now. Guys who decide that, you know what, it's not for me right now. Someday when I'm done with this, when I'm done having fun, I'm gonna you know, pray to God and He's gonna forgive me and, and I'm gonna get back on track with Him. Now that, that's not the attitude that we're called to have. We're called to be followers of Christ. Definitely not perfect. I have my ups and downs, I make mistakes, but at the same time, nobody is. Jesus Christ was the only man uh, who was perfect on this earth, and he's the only man that will ever be perfect. Uh, so I don't want you to remember me as the guy who made great plays on the football field, uh, as the guy who you know, who made a great pass for a winning touchdown, who made this great drive at the end of the game. I want you to remember me because I was here for you. Uh, I want you to remember me because you know we sat down and had Bible studies together, uh, and, and, and you came uh, to know Christ better. When I think of Jesus Christ, I think of a warrior, but I also think of a servant, and that's what you know I strive to be. I'm Colt McCoy, and I am second.
0: I don't know Colt McCoy. I know people who do know him very well, and he's real deal. That's not just something that he did for publicity and. He got a phase he was going through in his life. Uh, that's, that's him. That's how he lives his life. And definitely, he knows that God is first in his recreation. He knows that God is first in his school. And that was reflected in not just this video, but how he went about living his life in those areas. He's now a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And... Uh, I tell you, I didn't I tried to find one for Tim Tebow cuz I am a huge Tim Tebow fan. I'm now a huge Denver Bronco fan. <laughs> so, I mean, I just uh y- you have to root for people that stand up for what <clears throat> they believe in and when the public is critical of them. And uh so go Broncos. So, when you look at the slices that I had of life, You could teach a lesson on every one of those slices. You could teach several lessons on every one of them. And I can't do that in the short period of time I have. So I chose one that's uh, probably not the most popular one to talk about. It's pretty easy to talk about, though, our finances, putting God first in our finances. The reason why it's so easy to teach it is because Christ talked about it a lot. And there's lots of teachings in the Bible about putting God first in our finances but a lot of what I want to be talking about, and if you turned into, you want to follow in the, along your Bible, is 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, a lot of what I'm talking about, the principle, the principle of first, the idea of putting God first, applies across all areas of our life. So while I'll be talking about putting God first in our finances, it applies the same principles apply to putting God first in every other area of our life. So 1 Kings uh, 17, start with verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, prophet of God, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. A little background. During this period of time, this country was going through a a three-and-a-half-year period of no rain. Not a little rain, no rain. No rain for three-and-a-half years. So you can imagine the environment that the people in that area were living in. No water. Were they in an economic uh, recession? (laughs) Absolutely they were. So the first thing this prophet does when he gets to uh, this widow, three and a half years and no rain, he says, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she goes to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Um, When you don't have water, crops don't grow. And when crops don't grow, it's hard to have what you need to make bread. So this widow says... As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She, her response to him is, you're asking for water and you're asking for food. And I have just enough, I don't have any bread. I have enough oil and enough flour to make one meal For me and my son. And after that, we're going to die. And you're asking me (laughs) to give you some of that. So it's interesting what the response was of the prophet. It's not what you would expect. The prophet Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. And make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. So when she said, I don't have enough to feed my son and I but one meal, his response was, okay, that's fine. Go ahead and fix it, but give it to me first. Give me my portion first. Now that seems kind of selfish, doesn't it? That this man would hear this woman express her fear about her son and her dying because they don't have enough. And his response is, give me some first. Did God need the widow in order to provide for that prophet? Did he need it? I mean, is that why he sent her there? It's like, wow, what am I going to do? Elijah needs some food. I'm going to send him to this widow. Well, we know that's not the case because just a couple of scriptures before where I read, God sent ravens, he sent birds to feed this very same man meat and bread. Can you imagine? Here's a guy sitting by a brook and he doesn't have anything to eat. And God didn't tell the widow lady, hey, I want you to go find this guy and give him something. He chose to feed this man by birds. So, birds, ravens came and gave him food and bread. They gave him bread and meat, and he had water. So, fast forward, and now he's at this widow's house, and God is instructing him to ask her to provide for him and to give it to him first. If you go to chapter 19, and uh, same book. Uh, Elijah is asleep on the ground and he needs food. And he wakes up and an angel has prepared a cake for him. The first recorded baking of an angel food cake. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a theme there if you get it. JP, can you stand up and, and uh, drag... Alan, the theme is he asked the lady for cake and an angel made him cake. Righteous men like cake. Ladies, you need to give these guys some cakes. (laughs) God did not need the widow to provide for Elijah. God didn't send him to the widow for the widow to provide for Elijah. He sent him to the widow so God could bless Elijah widow obeying God putting God first in our life positions us to be able to receive from God God in this case tested this woman by saying to her through the prophet give it to me first do you trust me enough to give it to me first if you want to see miracles in your life, then you have to put yourself in a position to receive miracles. And that position to receive miracles is the position of second place. It goes against everything the world teaches you. Me, 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 me is what the world teaches you. What God teaches you is to humble yourself inside of him and he will lift you up. You cannot approach life from the perspective of, I'm just going to carve out a couple of slices and keep them for myself, and then I'll let God be first in all these others. That's pie chart up here. I just uh, highlighted a couple of areas. What if this widow lady had decided that, you know, I'm not going to trust God enough. I'm not going to trust God enough to provide for me. Instead. I'm going to go by my own five senses and my five senses tell me I'm not going to give this prophet, this man of God, what he asked. I'm going to keep it for myself. What do you think would have happened? Well, here's what happened because she did do what God asked her to do. Here's what happened because she put God first. It says, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. And it wasn't so much that by her obeying God that she was able to feed her son, But there was another miracle that happened. When God sent Elijah to her, it wasn't just to feed her. It wasn't just to keep her son alive because he didn't starve to death. I think God knew what was going to happen to her son. If you read in chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to me. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. Because this woman understood the principle of first, whether she knew it by the principle of first or whether she just knew that you put God first in your life, because she did that, She and her whole household was provided for and her son was raised from the dead. She saw a miracle happen in her life because she put God first in her life. You want to see miracles happen in your life? Remember, the principle of first applies to more than just your finances. You want to see a miracle happen in your job? You want to see a miracle happen in your relationships with your children? You want to see a miracle happen in your marriage Put God first in those areas. If you're retired, you want to see a, re, a miracle in your retirement, put God first in your retirement. I was talking to Ken this morning. Ken and Barbara are a great example of living a godly life in your later years. Um, and Ken was saying, you know, this retirement thing is not all as cracked up to be. Uh, Barbara thinks I can't remember things, so she's always after me to write things down. So he was saying last night they were watching TV, and uh, Barbara said, I want some ice cream. So he got up to go get her ice cream, and she said, you better write that down. You'll forget it. <laughs> he said, I will not forget it. So he goes just a little further, and she says, I'd like some strawberries on top of that. And he said, okay, okay. She said, you better write that down, and you'll forget it. He said, I will not forget to put strawberries on your ice cream. So just as he's getting to the kitchen, she hollers out, and put some whipped cream on it, and write that down, or you'll forget it. So Ken mumbles, I will not forget it. Time passes, here he comes. He's got a plate of bacon and eggs. (laughs) He puts it in front of her, and Barbara says, I told you to write it down, I wanted toast. (laughs) If you get nothing else out of this lesson... I want you to get this next point. Putting God first in your life results in provision and protection. You want provision and protection in your finances? Put God first. You want provision and protection in your job? Put God first. You want provision and protection in your marriage, in relationship with your children, in every one of those slices I had up there. In other words, in your whole life, If you want to have provision and protection, put God first in your life. The word of God says that when when we put him first in our finances, that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon us and that he will rebuke the devourer. So not only does he provide for us in lavish ways when we put him first in our life, but he also rebukes the devourer, the one that wants to destroy us and everything we have. So why don't we put God first in our life? Why don't we put him first in our finances? In Genesis chapter 4, I think there's a key to that as to why we don't put God first in our finances. Surely it requires faith to put God first. I mean, the widow... Here, her son is about to starve to death. It required faith and trust for her to give first to the prophet before she provided for her own. So in addition to faith and trust, I think there's another thing that comes out as to why we may not put God first in our finances. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of, his fat, of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Why didn't he respect Cain's offering? He respected Abel's offering, but not Cain's. Abel's a rancher, raises sheep. Cain's a farmer, raises crops. It wasn't because well, it wasn't because he didn't give an animal. He gave what he had of the labor of his hand. He gave his his offering of fruit. But the difference is, the thing that Abel gave was the first. Abel gave the first. He recognized that the principle of first is. I put God first in my life, so whatever comes into my hands, whatever God has blessed me with, I'm going to give him the first of it. I'm not going to wait and see if I have enough left for me, and then if there's anything left over, then I'll give it to God. And that's what Cain did. Cain did not give his first to God. He waited and gave less than his first to God. He did not trust God enough. Or he didn't have enough faith in God. Or there was some other issue that was going on in his life. And in this case, that was, that was it. It was something else. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So Cain was offended that God did not accept his sacrifice. Cain was offended that God would not accept being second. So why is God so adamant that he be first and not second? Is he an egomaniac? He's like, I've got to be first or uh, you're not going to do well. That's, that's not the case. God is not that way. It's important that we put God first in all areas of our life. So while I'm talking about putting God first in our finances, I want to just step away a little bit and talk about the importance of putting God first in your job. Because it's as Colt McCoy was saying in his I Am second. The way we live our life and the things we go about doing, it's much deeper and much more important than just the things that we do. If you've allowed God to place you in a certain place to work, then while you're working there, it's not just to make money. He puts you there for a reason. So in this Stephen Baldwin I Am second video, it's about three minutes long, you're going to see a small little... Piece in there, or you'll hear some other little piece. It's about how he was impacted by someone who worked for him.
2: I'd say what was missing was the satisfaction. My life before Christ was uh, focused on making money. My life before Christ was uh, a totally day in and day out uh, existence that was, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, uh, uh, an existence of self um And, you know, just doing what you normally do when you're trying to maintain a career in the movie business. loving Jesus is what's most important to me and I know know that sounds hokey but it's the truth my life is God's life in me for him to do with what he wants my wife and I were living in Tucson Arizona about 16 years ago almost and through the family we hired this cleaning woman she's working with us for about two weeks and My wife kind of notices her singing that she does every day in her work. Eventually, after a few more days of this, went to Augusta and said, you know, I noticed your singing and um, I was just curious, you know, why is every song about Jesus? Uh, Perhaps there's another tune in your repertoire, so to speak. Um, And Augusta had a very interesting reaction uh, to the question. She literally burst out laughing in my wife's face. I just had to do that, sir. And Augusta said, you know, again, um, understand that the reason that I'm laughing is uh, you think the only reason that I'm here is to clean your house. (laughs) Uh, So my wife, (laughs) she says, honey, um, I'd like to share with you something that Augusta just told me. And I said, what's that, dear? And she said, "Uh, well, she just explained to me that the real reason she's here is because in the future you and I are going to become born-again Christians, and at some point after that, we're going to have our own ministry. And I said, really? Hmm. At that point in my career, I was making more money than I could ever wildly imagine, and just to, to hear uh, that idea vocalized at that point in time was utterly ridiculous. Uh, But um, that's the beginning of the journey for me. When I got to a place of willingness to just simply say to myself, okay, I'm willing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And I'm now going to ask God to show me what that means. And I'm going to read the Bible and apply it to my life to the best of my ability to have that understanding, that's when, uh, this whole experience became very, very real for me. I'm Stephen Baldwin. I am second.
0: What's required to put God first in your life? Faith and trust. And, um, We've seen the evidence in this church of of uh, members of the youth getting a vision of putting God first in their life, in their school, in their relationships, in their recreation. And when we saw that happen, we had services here where this place was full of youth from Granbury. And it wasn't because of what was being taught or when we caught the truth and the gospel, but there were kids in that group that got this principle of first, putting God first in their life. And it was contagious. What they had, the other kids in their group wanted, and they brought them. They brought the good kids, and they brought the outlaws. I mean, we had some tough kids running around this church, but God did a work in so many of their lives, and it took just a few kids understanding this principle of first, putting God first in their life. And these kids understood it too. They put it even first in their, in, in principle of their finances. So you may think, well, Lord, I work at Subway and make minimum wage. What does that matter that I give a tenth of what I make to God? It matters a lot. God doesn't need anything from us. The richest person in this room is going to give, if they tie, they're going to give more than anybody else in this room would give probably. But it's not the amount that the richest person in the room gives. It's that he has the heart and he recognizes putting God first in my life is what I need to do. I'm trusting God with my finances. And that's why those individuals are doing so well. Because they trust God with it. Trust God with a little. And you'll learn to trust God with a lot. One of the greatest uh, revival leaders in that group was uh, Aaron Gomez. His parents are here. Let's just stretch our hand out toward them. Lord, we just thank you for the power and the principle of your word and the power and truth and the principle of first. And we thank you, Father, you're going to honor the Guzmans, honor their service, honor Aaron and his service and trust and faith in you, and that you will get provide provision, you will provide protection, and we'll see a miracle done in that life. In Jesus' name, amen. So Leaders have gone before you. The foundation has been laid in this church with the youth and in your schools and in the city for this congregation here to have revival among the youth in this, this, this city. It's really up to you to do it. Catch that principle. Put God first in your life. Faith and trust. So I said, what, what was the issue with Cain? Was it faith or was it trust? Jude chapter 1 verse 11 says, Woe to them for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in rebellion of Korah. Greed and rebellion was Cain's problem. He was greedy. He wanted to hold on to what God had given him. And he wanted to be first in the area of his finances and put God... Second, and God rejected his offering, God rejected what He gave. God feels strongly strongly about this, not just in our finances but in every area of our life. but I think one of the reasons he feels so strongly about it is because he gave his first fruits in first Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty it says now but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are, who are Christ at his coming. Jesus gave his first, uh, God gave his first born for us. And for us to offer anything less than to put God in first place in every area of our life, it is offensive to God. Cain was offended that God rejected his offering. God was offended. God was offended that he was not allowed to be put in first place, not because he's an egomaniac, but because he loves us so much he knows what's best for us. And what's best for us is that we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, put him first, we're second, and he will lift us up. The Gospel of John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have you ever thought about reading it this way? Read this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his firstborn, his firstfruits, That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Putting God first in our life positions us to prosper. It provides divine protection. It positions us to see miracles. It testifies of our belief in Christ. And it testifies of our faith and trust in the Lord. Those are some powerful truths. It can change your life forever forever if you can recognize the power of the principle of first, if you can humble yourself enough to say, I am second. I've never been to a sporting event where at the championship game when it ended, the losing team crowd stood up and chanted, I'm number two, I'm number two. I've never heard it. It doesn't happen. But that's what God... Is asking us to do. What's your victory cry? Is it I'm number one? Or is it I am second? Let's practice. Stand up. This is totally foreign. Shake you can come on up here if you'd like. So we're going to do this not but for maybe 15 seconds. You're number one up here. You're number one! 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 Okay. I'm number two! I'm number two! I'm number two! I'm number two! two. Thank you. I am second. Alan, it's
3: our heads. Father, apply this word to our heart. In every area, may we be quick to see where we're putting ourselves first. Or may we put you first, because you are first. Help us to see, Lord, that putting you first lines us up with reality, Lord. The whole universe began with you. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray that they would respond to this word by... Calling on you first in their needs. Reaching out to you first for their provision. Calling on your name. And Lord, those who here who know you but they've not been following you, help them to see, Lord, that it's because you've not been number one in their life. And so, Lord, I pray that that would become a reality in the life of every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Yes, praise the Lord one announcement, and then I'll let you go. Uh, We have membership class here every season, and today is membership class from four to seven uh, with the pastor uh, in the foyer, and so uh, we invite you to come to that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may you find new and creative ways to put him first in your life every day in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you.
4: My life, grace and glory. i mm-hmm.